Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Friday, February 2nd. Happy Groundhog Day, which, if you don't know, is this giant Nutria-rat-looking critter up in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, which, if he sees his shadow today, that means there's going to be six more weeks of winter. And if he don't see his shadow, there's still going to be six more weeks of winter, because winter happens the same time every year. See, in the Northern Hemisphere, winter ends at what we call the vernal equinox, which is the moment the sun crosses over the equator from south to north, which happens the same day within about 24 hours, give or take, every year, which where I live is going to be Tuesday, March 19th at 10.06 p.m., six weeks and three days from today, regardless of the Nutria Rat's opinion on it. It's fake news. I'm sorry to bust the bubble of any true believers out there, but darn, it's just a groundhog. It ain't like I said wrestling was fake, or elections. But don't say that in Punxsutawney, cause every year tens of thousands of people swarm over a city where only 6,000 people actually live to join in the annual rat worship ritual. A group called the Inner Circle, which wears top hats and speaks in Pennsylvania Dutch, runs this spooky ceremony. The high priest talks to the rat in groundhog ease, which only he understands. And though they say he's never wrong, records show he's right only about 40% of the time, which is staggering to me since we just covered how it's the same day every year. Legend has it the rat's better than 130 years old and is still alive because of this magical punch he drinks. And I'm skeptical of that because usually they only live about 10 years. And back in 2014, New York mayor and all-around really weird guy, Bill de Blasio, dropped it and killed it. And get this, his office tried to cover it up. Seriously. Our reading for today is Exodus 15, 19 through 17, 7, Matthew 22, 1 through 33, Psalm 27, 1 through 6, and Proverbs 6, 20 through 26. So if y'all are ready, of course, 40% is better than the actual weatherman, so... Trust the Nutria rat, I guess. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. So yesterday on the first in the Old Testament, we read Exodus 13:17 through 15:18, and the Egyptians had just chased the Jews out of Egypt, and God starts herding them all to the Promised Land. But He doesn't take them due east through Shur, which would have been the direct route, because they'd have had to go through the land of the Philistines, who don't like the Jews either and God knew they were nowhere near ready for any kind of war. And if they thought for a second they were going to have to fight their way out of there, they'd have turned back. Now, because of what happens later, I know they wouldn't have had to fight themselves. But also because of what happens later, I also know you'd have never convinced them of that. Plus, God had his own agenda, and took this opportunity to demonstrate some things. Anyway, he starts taking them south, kind of, and they end up camping at Etham. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud, to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night, which I got nothing. That's just a full-on miracle. And in chapter 14, God leads them down between these two mountains they call the Straits of Hiroth, or Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the Red Sea. And Migdal was a fortified tower, so it sounds like he's bringing them right through the middle of Egypt's army, which there would be military bases along the coast. And he has them camp right by the Red Sea at a place called Baal Zephon, which means Lord of the North, 
or maybe God of winter, or maybe God of nature, thunder, lightning, rain, and war. And BibleArchaeology.org says Zephon was the god of the sea also. And where they are is right up at the tip top of the Red Sea, pretty much due east of Memphis and the pyramids. And remember when God said a while back that he was passing judgment on the gods of Egypt? Well, he just brought the Jews right to Baal Zephon's front yard and dared him to do something about it. Not to mention they're now trapped between the wilderness to the south, the Philistines to the north, the Red Sea to the east, and Pharaoh to the west. Nobody grandstands like the Lord. Everything he did with the plagues and parking a couple million people right in Baal Zephon's face is all one big come at me bro to the gods of Egypt. So Pharaoh and all his servants start second guessing themselves on the whole let my people go thing and he decides to go get them back. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. I don't know why it's worded this way, but I think 600 was a separate group from the rest of the chariots. But when you think chariots, don't just think them little two-wheel carts like in the movies. Chariots were weapons of war, and they came in all different sizes. Think everything from an armored personnel carrier to tanks, pulled by teams of horses, plus cavalry and infantry. And he caught up with them, him and his whole army, and he pinned them down. So let's take a moment to recap. God has miracled voices from a burning bush, sticks into snakes and back again, turned water to blood, frogs, lice, flies, dead cattle, boils, fire from the sky, locusts, darkness you could feel. He killed, let's say, 20% of Egypt with the death of the firstborn, unless you put blood on your house, that is, then made the Egyptians give the Jews all their stuff and led them out of Egypt behind a tornado of smoke in the daytime and a tornado of fire at night. If it was me, by this point, I'd be dying to see what happens next. I'd be wishing for another no-win situation just like the one they're in, just so as I could see another miracle. But not the Jews. They got all snarky with Moses and were like, what, are there not enough graves in Egypt? Is that why you brought us all out here to die? And I'll just say Moses is way more patient with them than I would have been and leave it at that. He said, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And God's like, Moses, what are y'all waiting for? Keep going. If you're worried about a little water, just part it. So he did. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, a strong east wind blew all night, and the waters were divided. And a couple million Jews just walked across the bottom. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And when I get to heaven, I'm going straight to Blockbuster and renting this video. Because I want to know if while the water was stacked up like that, did any fish fall out? And Pharaoh being Pharaoh, he followed them in. About the time the whole army got in a little ways, God let the waters go and drowned every last one of them. Verse 25 says, the wheels came off the chariots. And there's this guy named Ron Wyatt. He's dead now, but he was some kind of archaeologist or something. And he claimed that back in the 70s, his team went scuba diving in the Red Sea and got arrested because they did it without permission. It was a big old long story. But he claims they found the remains of these Egyptian chariot wheels all over the bottom. The wood's long gone. All that's left is the gold overlay. And he says he found two pillars, one on either side, put there by King David, marking the spot where they crossed. He says he unearthed them near the beach. Now, Ron Wyatt is a little sketchy, and I don't know if any of that's true, but you can go on the internet and look at pictures of the chariot wheels and the pillars and little balls of sulfur ash all over the ground at Sodom and Gomorrah, which he claims to have also found. Maybe he's legit, maybe not. Probably not. But it'd be cool if it was. Y'all can decide. Anyway, chapter 15, Moses writes a song about what all they just went through. It's the first song recorded in scripture, 
and the Benson Commentary says it's the most ancient piece of genuine poetry that exists in the world. And I feel like I should read the whole thing again right now, but I'm not gonna. And in the letter to the Hebrews, we're told to learn from Israel's mistakes, their trials in the wilderness, as they traveled from slavery to freedom. So anyway, in the New Testament, we read Matthew 21, 23-46. And Jesus had just announced himself as Messiah and King and basically chased all the squatters out of his house. And no sooner does he start teaching in his temple than do the Pharisees start challenging his authority again. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was that from heaven, or was that just meaningless man-made religion? And the Pharisees look around at this giant crowd of Jesus freaks staring at them, waiting to hear what they have to say and they realize they're stuck. Because if they say from heaven, then that's as good as admitting they've rejected God. But if they say from man, this crowd is going to whoop up on them, which they probably wouldn't have, but that's what they thought. So they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. And then he tells them a parable, which is unusual because the point of the parables is so the faithless will not understand his teachings. But this one is for the Pharisees. Basically, he says, This dude tells his two sons to go work in his vineyard, and one says, sure thing, dad, but just goes back to play in GTA and never leaves the basement. The other son says, I ain't working in no vineyard, but goes on and works anyway. So which of those guys actually did the will of their father? The one that postured for his dad like a Pharisee, or the one that ran his mouth like a publican and a harlot, but did what he was told anyway? Because that's y'all, Pharisees. John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. Then he gives them another one. He says this other guy built a big fine vineyard and rented it out to some sharecroppers. Then he leaves town. When it was harvest time, he sent a bunch of servants to collect his percentage. But the sharecroppers took the servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. So then he sent his son, and they just outright killed him in the mistaken belief that they'd somehow get his inheritance which is crazy, but ye can be as gods and all. So when the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what you reckon he's going to do? And the Pharisees are like, well, it's going to go bad for them sharecroppers. Jesus is like, right. And y'all understand who y'all are in this little scenario, right? Because the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation that brings forth good fruit. Don't y'all remember the scriptures where it says the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Well, that's me. I'm the stone. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. And they were less than thrilled with this. And they wanted to kill him right there. But they feared the crowd. And I'm sure they did. The Pharisees were elitist types. And this crowd was all harlots and fishermen and construction workers and other ruffians that the Pharisees would never even let in their yard. Unless, of course, they were mowing it. So it's probably at this point that they figured they better involve the Romans. But we'll get to that. The Pharisees didn't love the truth, but Jesus spoke it anyway, and we benefit from their pride. And in Psalms, we read Psalm 26, 1-12. It's a Psalm of David. He says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. I probably would have said something more like, Forgive me, O Lord, for my integrity is pretty sorry. But I think maybe the intention is that because he trusts in the Lord, his own failings are less important. 
And when he says, try my reins and my heart, he means you'll see I always loved and trusted you, even when I did bad stuff, I think is what he's trying to say. He says, I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Again, my psalm would probably say any more, but y'all know what he means. And then he finished by praising God. He said, my foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. David doesn't pretend with God or pull his punches. He wholeheartedly has a fearless reverence for God. I mean, the B system really hates integrity. It's always trying to put words in our mouth and meaninglessness in our heart. And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, which says there's seven things the Lord hates. A proud look, yep. A lying tongue, check. Hands that shed innocent blood, couple times. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, oh, all the time. Feet that be swift and running to mischief, if I don't stop them, they will. A false witness that speaketh lies, again, check. And he that soweth discord among brethren, been there too. But I've repented of most of that. It's all still in my heart, but like scripture says, the heart is desperately wicked and we have to guard it and take every thought captive. Like Martin Luther said, I can't stop the birds from flying over my head, but I don't have to let them make nests in my hair. So, in a nutshell, the Lord hates things that steal, kill, or destroy righteousness, peace, and joy. He hates the things that show contempt for others because that's evil. Jesus died for all, whether they've accepted him yet or not. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for February 2nd is Exodus 15:19 through 17:7. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went there three days in the wilderness, and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord shewed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute, and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees. And they encamped there by the waters. Chapter 16 And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. 
And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be, when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. And Moses spake unto Aaron, Say unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he hath heard your murmurings. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, and in the morning ye shall be filled with bread, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man, according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered, some more, some less. And when they did meet it with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning. And it bred worms and stank. And Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seethe that ye will seethe. And that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning, as Moses bade. And it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commandeth. Fill an omer of it to be kept for your generations, that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot, and put an omer full of manna therein, and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years, until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna, until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. 
Now an omer is the tenth part of an ephah. Chapter 17. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses, and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And our reading in the New Testament for February 2nd is Matthew 22, 1-33. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Then went the Pharisees, and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness, and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Shew me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise the second also, and the third, unto the seventh. And the last of all, the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, 
ye do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Our reading in Psalms for February 2nd is Psalm 27, 1-6. A Psalm of David The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. And our reading in Proverbs for February 2nd is Proverbs 6, 20-26. My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life, to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman is a man brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. And that's got it for the second. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is about Exodus 3.19, which says, And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on how much we don't see. Because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, when you called Moses to deliver the Jews from Egypt, you knew Pharaoh would not let them go as much as you knew the job was too big for Moses. Yet everything that followed served your purposes. How often do you call us to fulfill a task knowing we can't without you? And when what we do looks to us like failure, how often is it the exact thing you wanted? Teach us, Lord, to not only have faith in your plan, but also to listen for the instruction of your still small voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawlin' I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like what we're doing and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family, especially John, who gets vicious migraines, and Jimmy, who is really suffering with what sounds to me like some kind of diabetic psychosis. And if you got anything you want us to pray for you about, email me at BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just work on not making things worse. 
Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seed that ye will seethe, and seethe that ye will seethe. Do it one more time.